Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steal Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Welcome on into Steal Some Time. Episode 18 is here. We have made it to week 30. I'm Kelsey Steele, joined by Scott Stewart and Matt Cowell. Guys, we have four weeks remaining in the regular season. We made it to the 30s. I honestly didn't think it was ever going to happen. Um, <laughs> we were. I was talking to one of our colleagues today about um, one of Sullivan Asante's record, and they were like, yeah, the last time that he missed a penalty kick was um, March 30th. And I was like, oh, my God, was that this year? <laughs> It really does. It's just I think sometimes you just forget how how generally long this season really is, you know. So so we're up and we're at it. And uh, did you guys have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colts got a dub. Got to enjoy that a little bit. Football is otherwise largely irrelevant to me, so that's where I stand. (laughs) Florida beat Tennessee, so uh, it was a good weekend. There we go. And you were on site for that, right? I I know you thoroughly enjoyed that. Good to be back home. <laughs> I spent my Saturday night at a different sports venue, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, week 29. My goodness, were there some big results out of week 29. And obviously, we don't have enough time in the world to talk about all of the major results. But, I mean, a few ones that stick out to me. Birmingham and Indy's result. That 1-0 win for Birmingham is obviously massive. St. Louis taking a 2-0 win over New York midweek. Sometimes you forget about the midweek games. That mm-hmm. one was too big of one we cannot forget about. Um, Memphis and then St. Louis as well. Um, Memphis claiming that 1-0 win. They're on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, and then, of course, I've got Charleston's win over North Carolina and Austin's win over Las Vegas. Clever uh, getting that hat trick. Just uh, pretty phenomenal week, I think, in terms of uh, results, performance. And then we have got to uh, shout out to, I don't know, our, our attacking front, the offense. We had 82 total goals in week 29 that's insane wow to think that the result coming out of louisville and new york wasn't even the (laughs) highest scoring game this week i mean it's uh it's it's pretty remarkable and uh i think that we have a lot to talk about and we're going to get started with the east first looking right now at the eastern conference standings we have new york indy Tampa Bay all in a three-way tie for first place, and of course you got Nashville right behind them. Uh, it's it is a uh, it's a race right now for, for that top spot, and New York had a chance to to get away a little bit, and man, they just keep missing those opportunities. They go into Slugger Field on Saturday night, and what an offensive powerhouse! That was, and when you look back on it, are you really that surprised? I mean, the last two meetings at Slugger Field had 12 total goals, that 3-3 draw, and then, of course, the 5-1 conference final. Saturday alone had eight, a 5-3 result in Louisville's favor. Niall McCabe launched a freaking banger that has to be in the conversation for Goal of the Year running, if you ask me. Um, it's obviously, you know, nominated for Goal of the Week this week as well, but I mean, That was a huge performance if you're Louisville. Here's my thing, Scott. Is this the kind of win Louisville needed to prove to you that they can be in that conversation with ND, New York, Tampa Bay, or 
are you not yet convinced? Because we, we've talked about this upcoming run they have. They've got Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and Nashville. So I know that when you and I talked separately, it was one of those things where, you know, you're just, you're not fully convinced. It had been a lot of 1-0 wins or um, and they had a draw or two in there as well. And so it's just nothing that really solidified that the chance that they could be up there with those guys. So, I mean, are you, are you convinced yet? I think that was a really, really important first step, right? I mean, they obviously, listen, they're on an eight-game unbeaten run, so that speaks for itself. I don't think they need uh, any reminder from anybody in Tampa how they're doing in Louisville. But, again, they host the Rowdies this weekend, then they travel to St. Louis, then they travel to Nashville. It was more about, like, the elongated stretch and how they fared come October 19 when they finish off their season in Memphis. But, again... The 5-3 over New York, that was a really, really important statement win, not just because it was another high-scoring game. I mean, if you look at just the goals and when they came, I think that was just as important as anything else because Louisville going up and Napo Matsoso scoring two in two minutes to make it 3-1, I mean, that immediately changes the the tone of the game, makes Louisville, maybe gives Louisville that little bit of confidence that they were looking for in a game against a team like New York. And obviously they took it from there. You mentioned Niles goal and, and just to, to shut it down at five, two at halftime. I think that says plenty about where we're at or four, two at halftime, whatever it was. I think that says plenty about where they're at. So great past the first test. Now again, Tampa Bay this weekend at home, that's an advantage, but then road trips to St. Louis and Nashville there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, with that said, it is still plenty plausible that they finish above Pittsburgh and or maybe even nip Nashville for the fourth place spot, depending on other results. That's Scott Stewart. He's a hard guy to please. But one one step further, I think, for Louisville, we can at least come to agreement there. They're, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, the percentage has moved 10 15%, I think, in terms of um, the the convincing route. And, you know, we've talked multiple times at this point about their run that they made in 2018 and how they ended up putting together 10 straight wins and um, after that week 27 mark. And, I mean, and just floating that around there, we don't want to put too much pressure on Louisville. We'll jinx them or do any of those things that we've done to St. Louis time and time again. <laughs> um, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, for me, obviously, the win over New York, that's massive. But I, the biggest thing that I took away over that matchup was the fact that so many guys stepped up in that match. And I think that's one of the most refreshing things for me when I watch Louisville play is if one guy's not – not in his groove, they're fine. They they are do such a good job at calling upon different guys at different times. And I think year after year, that's what that's what made this unit so tough. And and when it gets down to it, you look over the Western Conference, that's what's made Phoenix so tough. Yeah. You know, when Solomon doesn't step up, that's fine. Adam John will or Junior will or someone is is ready to be called upon. And I think when we look towards the postseason in October and November, those are the type of things that we as fans and, and analysts really need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. And I mean, again, at risk of jinxing any part of this process, the most important thing for me to say here is these guys are winners. Right. This group of Louisville players are winners. And I think they still have 13, 14 members of the 2017 team that won the first iteration of that championship final. So you've got 12, 13, 14 guys that have won back-to-back USL championships. They're on an eight-game winning run. 
regardless of how they get through this next five, the point is they know that they're in the playoffs. Again, the big thing for them is right now they are set to zero games, and that's going to play a factor as well just because Louisville has had the luxury through hard work to host all of their playoff games. And their opponent this week is not going to give them an easy time. And my goodness, did Tampa Bay need that 6-1 win this week over uh, over Bethlehem? I uh, I tell you what, we I arrived late, I hate to say it, to, to that game. Service was just so poor at my restaurant. I was trying <laughs> to get them to move, and I was like, I got things to do. I got people to see. Uh, but I was extremely impressed by the way that Tampa Bay came out and just put on a show. I think that they needed that from a morale standpoint, um, obviously a forum standpoint as well. But um, that that was absolutely necessary. And at a time where I was questioning a Tampa Bay side. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Um, they showed up and I am extremely appreciative that, um, you know, every single one of them were listening to the podcast and and made sure to, to answer all of my questions. They wanted to put on a show. That's all it is. (laughs) They heard you and they wanted to just prove that they were the Tampa Bay of old. Um, yeah, this was a great win. I'll, I'll spare you guys me waxing poetically about (laughs) the, the six goals, but this is exactly what they needed. Um, even without Neil on the touchline, the guys came in, very professional attitude, um, and obviously did very, very well to, to hang six on. Anybody is an accomplishment. So big morale boost, um, big confidence boost moving forward. Time to close it out. We got to go over the West because as a few of those streaks in the East are moving along, I mean, we didn't even really get to talk about um, a number of them that we're seeing extend. The West had one. Dun, dun, dun. The streak's over, <laughs> people. Phoenix Rising's reign has come to an end in terms of their... Has it, though? I shouldn't say reign has come to an end, but the, the streak has come to an end. I don't know if... I just... I The moment that Scott delivered this news to me on Saturday, I was distraught. <laughs> I mean, just like, and I think just the way that this game happened is is really what what shut it down for me. And I think that you look at Solomon Asante at, at the hash mark twice, misses both of them. I mean, add that into the drama of the game. It's so unlike him. And um, I think time and time again, we've seen during this 20-game win streak, Phoenix has found a way to get it done. You know, they've capitalized on all their opportunities. So for me, out of this game, what I take away from this is that for the first time in 20-ish games, they didn't capitalize when they had the opportunity. And guess who did? Fresno. And I think my my biggest takeaway out of all of that is what Adam Smith was able to do from a tactical and coaching standpoint. Because when you look at the overall strategy coming into this with Fresno, they were so prepared. It's so impressive. Solomon Asante was so limited for the first 75 minutes or so, didn't have a single shot, and had one key pass. We're talking about a guy that has 22 goals and 15 assists in 2019, the obvious front runner for the league's MVP, and the dude is not involved at all. That is hats off to to that Fresno side. And um, when you look at a strategy standpoint, after that, obviously, uh, Salman Asante draws two penalties, has two obvious shots on goals there, is extremely more active in that, you know, 20-ish minutes left. But that's 
that is the biggest difference maker for me coming out of Fresno. Yeah, a bit of a weird game, honestly. I mean, it, it felt like one of those days where Phoenix kept going up to the drawing board with a different solution every time, but for some reason they just weren't ever able to come up with the correct answer. And, you know, I don't think that they have anything, and I mean this in every literal sense of the word, anything to be disappointed about. No. Because, and not just on the 20 consecutive wins, they fit, they played well. They fought really, really hard. It wasn't their night. Just like any other sports team in history, maybe except for the New England Patriots, they are victims to an on-any-other-night type performance. And that's just what this felt like. It just felt like a game where they recognized the stakes, just like the previous 20 before them. They knew what they were about going into it. They executed in almost every sense of the word. Still came up short. That's sports. Solomon and Sante had two penalty shot opportunities and didn't get either one of them. Like, it's just not the that's night. not the night. Any other night. Yep. I, uh, I I think what's incredible, too, obviously for Fresno, this is huge. You know, they pick up three points, they end the streak, and they clinch a spot in the playoffs. Just an overwhelming night. I've, I'm Phoenix. They are never, ever going to say this out loud, but I'm grateful for this loss. I have said it time and time again. I would not have wanted to go into that postseason with this streak on my shoulders. And not only that, okay, you suffer a loss, whatever. But it's to the second best team yeah. in the Western Conference. It's, yeah. not, you know? it's not a bad loss. They're 11-3-3 in their last 17 games, Fresno. So it's that's not a bad loss. I I I'm thoroughly impressed with. I mean, the game as a whole is everything you wanted it to be. It was it was so entertaining. I am so glad Mike Watts was on the call for this yeah. game as well. Ugh, his energy is everything. Um, so so many good one liners too in that one. And um, if, if anyone's gonna call that, I'm I'm so glad it was him. It was just nice to see a lot of people just recognize what an incredible 90 minutes yeah. that both those teams provided. You know, Mike touching on it, our own Nicholas Murray internally just saying hats off to Phoenix for a great run. Hats off to Fresno for an incredible performance. What an evening of soccer. It's another one of those uh, ones we'll look back on, maybe not all of us with a smile on our face, but just in terms of <laughs> being able to enjoy a game that that has that much energy, that much impact. Um, yeah, they don't come around too often. Obviously, the next two times that these two teams can meet, it'll be the Western Conference Final at Casino Arizona Field. So at this point, Scott, is is that your pick? Do you, do you, do you foresee this come November that these two teams are going to meet at the Western Conference Final? I see Phoenix there. Definitely. I see Phoenix absolutely hosting a Western Conference final at Casino Arizona Field. I don't know if I see Fresno there. Um, give me the remaining four weeks to figure that part out, and then I'll let you know. Scott just uh, took my question. <laughs> so just wait till we get there, and then I'll tell you who's there. <laughs> I said remaining four weeks. I'll give, you, I'll give you a prediction by the start of the playoffs. By Before the play-in rounds, I'll be able to tell you how I feel. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. Out of Week 29... Any any other Western Conference result for you, Scott? That that's came with a lot of noise. Anything that you think that is super impactful down the stretch? I mean, Orange County got a really, really big, important win yep. in a very weird way. Um, other than that, not too much. I mean, it was good to see El Paso string together enough to get the win. They've got a game in hand on a couple of their competitors, so they're clinging on to a playoff place right now. It's more just keeping an eye again at that that playoff cutoff line for the West just because there are so many teams right there. And, I mean, it's literally, 
It is. It's any result changes the entire picture. You should, no one should be comfortable with either because that could shift so uh, quickly. But discomfort breeds growth, and that's what you want. You know, write that on my mirror in my bathroom. <laughs> <Jeez>. Hashtag. <laughs> it's week 29, 82 goals, obviously, just a, a ton coming out of there. What's also coming out of there is a really cool interview that we have set for the show this week. So when we take a break, uh, we're going to come back and be joined by two men who were front and center for that historic night on Saturday. CJ Cochran and Mickey Daly will be with us when we come back. Hi, I'm Landon Donovan from USL San Diego, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome back into Steal Some Time. Fresno FC goalkeeper CJ Cochran and defender Mickey Daly are stepping in to steal some time. You, you like you like what I did there? Yeah? Uh, guys, thanks for coming on to the pod today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. What a year it's been for Fresno FC, too. The, the club doesn't earn a postseason bid in 2018. But this season, the tables have really turned. Second place in the Western Conference, a 2019 playoff spot already secured, and now own the title of ending the longest streak in North American professional soccer history with the 2-1 win over Phoenix on Saturday night. So before we even get into the result, I want to get to the preparation side of things for you guys, because you hadn't seen Phoenix since April 6th, and that was a very different club back at the beginning of the season. In fact, they hadn't even won a game yet when you guys met back in April. So going into this matchup on Saturday, what was the game plan? You take it? No, go ahead. Um, I mean, our, our game plan at home is to always make it very difficult for the other team to play. And, and we like ourselves at home to play against anybody in the league. Now, we knew that Phoenix was obviously a very good team. Coming off of you know 20 consecutive wins, it's it's pretty amazing. But uh, I think we had a, a good confidence in ourselves from our midweek game against RGV, where we felt we played pretty well. Uh, so the so the strategy there was just kind of continue playing well, play an attacking style, and, and create some chances, and uh, it worked out well for us. Mickey, take me through this night for you. You go into the locker room nil nil at half. What's the vibe like? What's what's Adam Smith's message to you guys? Uh, I mean, just kind of keep keep doing what we're doing. Uh, they didn't really have very many chances. We were playing we were playing pretty good at the, in the first half. Um, overall, I thought we we handled them pretty well, chilled their attack, and that that was like the main thing was we knew we would get our chances. So just to try to limit as many uh, scoring opportunities they could they could get. And I feel like going into it, you guys knew that you needed to limit Solomon Asante, which you did for the better half of the game until, uh, CJ, you were called upon not once but twice and shut down probably the most dangerous attacker in the championship and debatably the most dangerous guy from the spot as well. So what's going through your mind when Solomon Asante steps up to the PK spot? Uh, well, we had done some research beforehand. He's taken quite a few penalties this year, so we had a decent amount of film on uh, on where he takes his kicks. And from that point, you just kind of hope he continues with what he's been doing because he very very easily could have gone to the left side of the first one and the right side of the second one and, and buried both. But uh, from what the film showed, uh, he went low and to my right on the first pen, and then he's taken two pens, I think, three times so far this year. And on the second one, he's gone uh, high and to the left. Uh, so a bit fortunate with uh, with him. I know he's he's a very good player. He easily could have buried both of those, but um, wasn't meant to be on the night. So which is pretty fortunate for us. It's been a heck of a season for this Fresno club. I 
think you can easily say you guys have been one of the most consistent clubs in the league this season. And Mickey, you've been with this club since since day one. What's the major differences for you going from 2018 to 2019? I don't. I mean, I think overall the vibe and just the chemistry of the team is just is just top notch. Everyone gets along with each other. Everyone's like good friends. We're not. We don't have clicks or anything like that. Um, from preseason on, we've just always been have each other's back. And uh, I mean, last year it was like that as well. But we just kind of let some things get to us a little bit. This year we just kind of all just kind of put our hands together and just like, staying together as best we can. From a defensive standpoint, it's it's almost like night and day. When you look at your defensive records from last year compared to this year, what do you think you guys have done differently? What's what's changed there in the back line? Uh, I mean, this guy is number one. He <laughs> 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 I mean, said next to me, so I got to give him credit, right? But uh, That's fair. Do your I part. Mean, he's, he's obviously stepped in and been huge for us. Uh, the back four, just last year we were all together. Um, at different points, we had some injuries and some changes and stuff like that. So as far as that, we, we all know each other pretty well and kind of know how each other play. So that's definitely helped us for being in our second year. Um, and then our midfield and our strikers, I mean, starting up there, like they defend well and they attack well. So that helps us to like not be under pressure so much. You've got something really special going, and you mentioned the, there's this really good vibe that you have going in this locker room. CJ, when did it hit you this season when you were like, wow, this this club can really do something special this year? I don't know. I think it's been just slowly building over the course of the season. I think at the beginning we were doing okay. We had only had one loss in the first two months of the year or whatever it was. And we kind of felt that. I'm like, okay, like we're not a bad side. Let's see how we can go. But, you know, it's a long season. Um you know, there's up and downs through the entire course of the season. I mean, we start in, what, February. We go through uh, through October. It's a very long season, so you never know how the team is quite going to respond to down days or, or bad performances. But everybody stayed really positive through the bad games and, and carried carried guys along. And uh, I think it's kind of just now uh, hitting us as a group, like, wow, you know, we've got a decent side, and hopefully we can keep it going into the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, you guys obviously already have that playoff berth secured, which has to be a little bit of fresh air here going into the next few weeks. What do you guys need to do as a unit to make that run deep into October, early November? Well, Mickey could probably answer that. He's made a couple of deep runs in his career. <laughs> I mean, just 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 staying with what's working with us. Uh, don't go outside of what we're doing and what's getting results. Uh, just like I said, just stay together as a team and – uh, let 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 the rest just take care of itself. Yeah, I think we've been in some close battles as well, which helps because the playoffs are never easy. Whether you're a top seed facing a lower seed, I mean, there's upsets every year. Um, so you know, we've been in some close battles. I think that'll help us going into the playoffs, uh, where it's always always a battle. Um, yeah, hopefully that helps. It's Definitely try to try to finish finish off strong so we get the higher seed. So yeah. traveling is never uh, easy in this league. It's got to oh. feel good coming off of that win on Saturday, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be a, a massive momentum builder heading into the postseason. Yeah, it felt good. I think uh, I think Adam told us we could enjoy it for 24 hours and then on to the next one. So <laughs> uh, we had a couple days off afterwards. So we might have enjoyed it maybe 48 hours. But then, uh, yeah, time to move on to, to San Antonio. 
I love that business to take care of. Uh, we I tell you what, guys, we're we're looking forward to seeing what uh, what happens this postseason with with Fresno, especially, and, and watching your guys' run. So I really appreciate you guys coming on to the show today and chatting with us a little bit. And um, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you come October. Yeah, hopefully so. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. No problem. Take care, guys. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on across the social media channels across the championship this week. This is Tyler Terrence, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. We're back on in to steal some time. And I'll tell you what, Scott, I absolutely love hearing the other perspective from, you know, these guys are on the ground. They're all the motions are running high. They're, you know, getting to experience everything firsthand. It's so cool and, and refreshing at times to just get that other perspective from them. So really appreciative for, for those guys coming on and shedding some light on, you know, what this whole season has been like as a whole and obviously a bright future ahead for Fresno. Uh, speaking of Fresno. Ooh. Made some moves this week in uh, the USL Championship Power Rankings. And listen, the article was released on uh, Monday night, and um, so was the rage. Because people were not happy at uh, the the current situation of uh, the, the power rankings. Were, so, they, were they going on social media to express unhappiness? They were, which goes right into our social media moments this week how how ironic so uh fresno really went out on a limb and uh, (laughs) asked what's more impressive inheriting a championship contender or building your own powerhouse from scratch and beating said inheritance okay that's fresno man you you're really just coming at it um i I, I love the uh the confidence there um you know so fresno moves up i mean they take a massive jump they go five five spots in the power rankings which is huge i mean obviously you're gonna imagine some sort of jump after a, a win over phoenix of course um but you then you also have orange county take a spot up and take the number one spot in the championship power ranking. So it's Orange County, Fresno, and then Phoenix. So they drop two spots in the power rankings. And um, so not only does the 20-game win streak end, so does the rain at the top of the power rankings. And Monday... I'm sure that means more to them. <laughs> so Monday night was filled with uh, plenty of choice words for our Nicholas Murray and, and John Arlia. And... Um, I got to know, Scott, where do you stand? How do you feel? Most importantly, I cannot mean this seriously enough, never tweet. Never, ever, ever tweet. Just don't do it. Get off Twitter, whatever you want to say, go say it to your friend. Keep it private. Keep it off the internet because all you do is end up stirring the pot, which that's some people's MO. Some people really, really enjoy being able to stir the pot and their opinions are... Um, received, not always well, not always poorly, but received. Second, um, Orange County currently does own the uh, highest active or longest running win streak in the championship, so hard to argue against that one. I think if I'm Louisville, I'm probably pretty upset, though, because I'm on an eight-game right. unbeaten run, six of which are wins, so there's definitely something to say there. Um, listen, I'm going to back my guys, John and Nicholas, just like I, I back uh, my teammates, but... Um, yeah, this one, 
I'll, I'll wait until we see the end of the season uh, power <laughs> rankings. Listen, people are hurt from it, but I mean, there there are some logistical things here. Fresno hasn't lost to Phoenix this year. Orange County has, mm. so uh, I think that's interesting too. You look at the two of them, and and yet you still have Orange. I mean. Granted, this recent run of form for Orange County is fantastic. I mean, you can't. I so I think it's obviously this is a subjective mm-hmm. poll, and I think that's very important for people to realize. And you're talking, and and that's all we could ask for. You know, maybe it's a it's a whole uh, idea that we have here at the front office. You know, people are just <laughs> what will get people to talk. We'll move we'll move them down to and and see how mad we can make people. No, all all, jo- all jokes aside, um, John John Nicholas do do a lot of research, has spent a lot of time on these and um, again it, it's it's subjective and, and take it as you will and we'll see who's standing come November. Yeah, I mean that's the only important thing out of this entire thing anyway. I could put, you know, I won't name names, but I could put any number of teams in number one. But if they aren't standing on mid-November with a trophy in their hands, my rankings mean not. <laughs> Elsewhere in the uh, Western Conference as well, the Colorado Springs switchbacks have a new man in charge. Uh, familiar face as well. So Alan Koch returned to the USL Championship and um, really really have his hands full with the Colorado Springs uh, side here. He's, he's the 2018 USL Championship Coach of the Year as well. Like, he had a uh, a very impressive run of form with FC Cincinnati, 23-3-8 and overall in the regular season. And, I mean, FC Cincinnati set all kinds of records too. So, I mean, if, if anybody's going to uh, work over and build a program in Colorado, it might as well be Alan Koch. So, uh Hats off to him and looking forward to see what, what he builds over there. Lastly, Scott, I want to give a nod to our ladies overseas. <laughs> uh, Megan Rapino takes home FIFA's Best Player Award, and she's not the only one who takes home the hardware. Alex Morgan, Julie Ertz, Kelly O'Hara, Rose Lavelle, and, of course, Pino herself in the Women's Best 11. And then Jill Ellis, of course, receiving Best Coach. So, I mean... Um, yeah, I don't know. Are there any other rewards to take at that point? My goodness. Can we win anything else? Because if we could, we probably would. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, that, yeah I, I that, thought that was awesome. I know you were probably um, extremely happy seeing the awards as a whole come, come yeah, out. for the most part, I'd yeah. say. Maybe miss one uh, on the player side. but um, can't, can't win them all there, Scott. Listen, I think it, it was really cool to see Rapino stand up, and I mean this from a very non-controversial standpoint, but just cool to step up and give a very normal speech, give a very empowering but normal speech, just saying, <laughs> like, if you have a voice, use it. That's important. Um, she's part of the Common Goal Organization, which is a group that donates 1% of their yearly salaries to, to soccer NGOs around the globe. It's a really cool cause, um, but obviously it's it's very, very nice and deserved um, for every single one of those players, and obviously Jill as well. So hats off to all of them and really capping out, capping off an incredible 2019. So um, love love seeing them get the uh, the final bit of uh, notoriety I think that they deserve. So we're, we're moving on and, and plenty more to, awards to come in the future, I think. So, and now... We're into week 30, you guys. Week ahead, there is plenty going on. Scott and I were just talking about how exciting Saturday Slate is as well. Um, I think I believe it's 15 games in between 7 and 10.30 p.m. kickoff. That's a lot. Um, it's gonna. There, there's a few, obviously, coming right out to me. Louisville and Tampa Bay. 
oh my gosh, I'm so pumped for that, in uh, Pittsburgh and ND. So four of the, the top six in the Eastern Conference ready to just to put it out on the line, and maybe we get some answers coming out of that one, um, or the, the two of those. I don't know. I I think there's a lot to be said about Saturday's matchups. I do want to, uh, before we get fully into those, touch on Fridays between New York mm. and Charleston. It's the only one on Friday. Um, it, and New York is in jeopardy of losing that top spot, especially depending on what the results come on Saturday. And they've lost two in a row now. Charleston's coming off a big win over North Carolina. Um, and also, how if you're Charleston, how are you going to contain Jared Stroud? Yeah. Because th- this dude has been extraordinary. 14 goals, 9 assists uh, this season so far. He he is a major uh, major mark in this uh, New York offense. So, I mean, if you're in Charleston, you, you better figure out, or I don't know, maybe you go you go talk to Fresno and, and figure out what their game plan was with Asante and do the Quick same Google thing with Jared Stroud. how Trout. to beat the top team in our league. <laughs> um, I, I think it has the opportunity to be – a very good matchup whether that delivers i'm not hanging my hat on it yeah i mean red bulls have only lost two consecutive games twice this season and they responded to the first time by winning three straight so i think really all i've got here is we need to see the charleston that beat north carolina and not the one that previously lost to atlanta united too midweek so yeah gonna need gonna need everybody on board for that one if you're gonna knock down a the Red Bulls two side, which is just frankly very, very good, always. Oh, always, yeah. Uh, it's that one coming out of Friday, and then of course we talk about the the loaded uh, docket that we have on Saturday. And um, I, I really don't know. It's Louisville and Tampa Bay, and then Pittsburgh and Indy. They're both seven o'clock kickoffs, correct? Yeah. So man, you really uh, you you've got your work cut out for you, don't you, Scott? I know. Wow. <laughs> there will be multiple tabs open. What a night. Computer. Yep. Computer set up. Probably got you know phone rocking a little stream. Probably got it on the the computer TV tablets. You know, I'll plug something and figure it out. When I'm looking at that Louisville Tampa Bay matchup, I go Louisville. Because I think coming off of that Ooh. massive win, you were gonna, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming out with it. Um, I. I think coming off of the massive win one over New York, I think it's huge. But you have them coming right back to Slugger Field again. I I just I think they're feeling too good mm. personally. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. I that mean, one's. Huge. I feel like I'm really putting Scott in between, like the like it's like a tug of war here. He's like I'm pulling on his heart. This is just no. It's just this is just, this game has so many different components to it, right? Yeah, like yeah. Louisville's current run of form, Tampa Bay's kind of bouncy last few games. You're at Slugger Field, much different playing surface than Al Lang Stadium. Louisville, comfort of their own friendly confines, coming off the big win over New York. Tampa Bay having to bounce back, obviously beating Bethlehem 6-1, but also drawing or losing to Ottawa before that, drawing with ATL UTD two. There's too much to package in, so I just say let's just go full nuclear and three two. Need me to step in? I don't. Yeah, I had to think. I really had to calculate it, but once I I just let the full ninety minutes play out in my head in the last twenty seconds, so we'll go three two Louisville. This guy's so gifted. All right, so we we both go Louisville. Uh, we'll that was a Doctor Strange moment there. <laughs> yeah, 
playing out all the scenarios. That Zach Galifianakis <laughs> gif of all just the uh, numbers just yeah. running around. That was me just now. So. Elsewhere, the Eastern Conference is just going to be fantastic um, on Saturday night. And, and we week 30 as a whole. Um, as we get later into that night, I'm looking at New Mexico hosting Phoenix. Uh, there is no secret here that New Mexico loves hosting games. Uh, if anybody turns up, it's those New Mexico United fans. Uh, I imagine we'll see another, you know, 14,000, 15,000 on site for this matchup. And uh, it's the first time in a very long time we're going to see a Phoenix side respond to a little bit of adversity. I had a question for you on this, though. Oh, Ooh. okay. New Mexico rocking the blackout. This weekend, which I love. But you've been there a couple times now. Mm -hmm. More impactful, all black or all yellow, in that venue. Because when they said Mm. we're doing a blackout, I was like, that's kind of Phoenix's thing. It is. It is. And then Um, I thought, like, would 15,000 yellow shirts be more disconcerting than 15,000 in black? But now I'm just, I want to hear it from, you know, the woman who's been there, seen it all. I think if it was a if the stadium was set up, if I chose Park was set up differently, then I think maybe the yellow would have more of an impact. Mm. Um, but because they're not right on top of you, like you might be in Orange County or Phoenix, I think or San Antonio, I think that makes a little bit of a difference. Okay. Um, either way, the whole place is going to be that color. Like you're not going to see spotty at all. Like everyone's going to be fully committed. I believe they've done a whiteout. Mm. Um, this year, uh, New Mexico fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I remember that happening. Um, well, what will Phoenix be? Phoenix will be wearing red. Yeah, you would think red or white, but if New Mexico's in black, they'll probably be in white, Phoenix. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, when it comes down to it, I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have, but that's a really, really good question. You know, I was just thinking, yeah. like, semantics, like, which one would be, like, more intimidating? Because you know, you're already walking into a building with a lot of people. I mean, here's... It's going to just be loud. Yeah. yeah. As much as like, anything, just, just the noise level will be the factor. I'm intrigued. Black is bad. You know, yeah. like shut out all the color. Sh- like all, I hope the smoke's black as well. Like if you're gonna go, like go all the way. You know, um, I on every spectacle at the lab is a show. I mean, every single time that you bring something into that park, it is an absolute riot, and it is such a fun experience. So I mean. Whether they come away with, oh my God, if they came away with three points, I think, or even a draw, I think New Mexico would be extremely pleased with that. Um, I think no matter what, it is a fantastic reflection on um, the Western Conference and the league and, and what's happening in New Mexico as a whole. Absolutely. This is a big game. This is a really, really big game. Week 30 is going to be fun. Uh, you guys stay tuned ESPN Plus all week. We're going to have all of those uh, all those matchups. And, of course, Scott and I will be delivering our share of opinions. We're both on games this week. So um, I'm sure we'll be writing on social and, uh, as, <laughs> as we normally do. But uh, before we kick this one out, Matt Calvo, I believe it's time. Hello. Hello. So this weekend was the Emmy Awards. Mm. I don't know if you're aware of that. I was. And um, also just, you know, with all these new streaming services being announced, Mm -hmm. like every day we're getting a new streaming service. So it just got me thinking, like, what is the best television show of all time? Oh, my. Oh, my. (gasps) How? Okay. um, 
we're not narrowing it down to any field or no, no i want i want you to have as much range wow, as possible so okay to think about uh this topic and come up with your answers i'm good best television show of all time she can go first scott stewart defers <laughs> To Kelsey Steele. I just, uh, all right, we can talk about this because I have many things I like want to preface it with, but we'll just go right at it. And then you have 30, yeah, maybe you have 30 seconds. Like, I think that's why I put it up to you first because I knew there would be a lot you wanted to say. <laughs> so just put her on the spot now and like <laughs> make her make her handle which one is going to be the most important. All right. All right. People are not going to expect this answer to come from me either. Um, I have one expectation and you better not say it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. Go. Uh, in my opinion, the best TV show of all time is Friday Night Lights. Um, I think that this is a television show that talks about so many important issues and things that people go through in their lives, and um, of course, shed light on the fact that you know football is is America's game at that. You know, like it's just it's there's so much here, and I think Eric Taylor and um, you know there's the characters are so relatable, and they teach you so many lessons that it's hard not to come away just taken away with it. I don't know. I love that show. Okay, Friday Night Lights. Oh, Friday Night Lights. I could have done better there. It's <laughs> immediate cell phone. Appreciate that one always. Uh, you ready, Scott? Yeah. Go. Um, I want to preface it by saying I've not seen The Sopranos. I've seen The Wire. It would be hard to go against The Wire. I'm going to do it anyway. I think Breaking Bad probably fits in my onus of the greatest show of all time. Um, I think it's also probably because it's largely one of my favorites, if not my favorite, but there's just too much, like, actual quality from the acting to the production to the storyline and i know it has a fair share of holes like any other tv show but yeah i would say that breaking bad probably captured the drama and the effect of drama better than any other show i've seen so anybody who knows me would have said that i would have gone with friends like Mm. instantly Mm. i'm such a friends junkie um but like when I think greatest TV show of all time, I think I I need something that I'm coming away with from watching the show. Honestly, sure. uh, as as a friend, as a person that was a huge Friends fan when it was on, like I watched it religiously. Friends doesn't hold up. Yeah, it just doesn't. Um, I'm just glad you didn't go with The Bachelor. Oh God, no! I, the Bachelor. <laughs> listen, you guys, The Bachelor is a TV show that you go home and you watch because you're mentally drained. You can't think anymore you know I, I can't put on like mind was it mind hunter? mind hunter i can't put that on like i i need to do something that's going to re- relax me and make me feel better about myself mm. because that's what the bachelor does for mm. me okay right. mindless television everyone has a snippet of it somewhere okay i don't mind that i don't mind okay. that the correct answer by the way is seinfeld i knew he was mm. gonna say that. i know you love your seinfeld it holds up mm-hmm. it holds up across the board it is never not show. funny. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Scott won. I'm really struggling, like really, really struggling. I didn't like Breaking Bad. Scott and I were talking about this yesterday. Yeah, I didn't make it through. I got through like season two, and I'm like, I can't. Breaking watch Bad it. has some major. The thing that too. that was good about this is I hadn't seen either one. Of, like I haven't mm. actually seen Breaking Bad, oh. and, and I haven't watched Friday Night Lights either. So I was legitimately just going based on your two arguments. And yeah, my argument was not good. You just you didn't have it today. Yeah, I really it's just 
If I if I had seen The Sopranos or knew more about it, that absolutely would have been my argument because I think that that's like universally seen as a lot of people say that. Another yeah. show I never saw just because I didn't have HBO. I haven't had HBO yeah. since. I almost went with The Wire because The Wire is wow. Like HBO dead in television. general does quality mm-hmm. work for I mean, the for, for decades. Outside been. of one season of one show. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Scott. Are, are we going to get back into the? Do no, you, that wasn't the question. <laughs> are we going to get back into the GOT nope. issue? Steal some time. Episode 18 has come and gone. Scott Stewart takes another W. He's starting to stack them up at this point. but uh, Feeling pretty good. <laughs> feeling pretty good. Week 30 is underway, guys. Make sure you catch all the matches, and it is going to be an exciting one. We will catch you next week in week 31. Yeah.